Hey, New City family. Thank you for coming to listen to this week's message. This is AJ Farthing, and I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here at New City. Our mission is to see Jesus change lives and reach the world. We want you to be a part of that movement by helping you grow as a disciple and encouraging you to share with others. So be sure to share this with someone you know to help encourage them. If you happen to live in the Tampa area, come check out our church on Sunday mornings at 920 or 11 a.m. You can find the information and other resources on our website, newcitytpa.com. I pray this message encourages and challenges you in your faith, and you take this message and share it with those in your life. Good morning, New City Church. Happy New Year. Uh, my name is AJ. I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here at New City Church, and, and I have the privilege to open up God's Word with you this morning. And so we are going to be in Luke chapter 3. We're continuing uh, our journey through Luke. Uh, man, I'm excited that we're going to be going uh, through Luke in 2024, and we're just going to see what God has in store. Man, the new year is just a sweet time where we begin to really look and see what God has in store. And, and so I'm praying for God to just do mighty things. Man, I'm excited for, uh, man, more baptisms, more salvations. Uh, I, I expect 2024 to be the best year in New City yet. Uh, man, I am ready for it. Uh, as we look back, we saw God do mighty things. As we look at Anchored for the Mission, our year-end offering, uh, I'm not giving updates on that, but I mean, we saw God move in that. Pastor Eric's going to celebrate that in a few weeks uh, as we celebrate our birthday on January 21st, and we're going to be four years old. I mean, we're already seeing just the goodness of the Lord. And so, man, I'm so excited as we start a new year. Man, we, it's just a time to look and see, like, where are we going? And I'm not going to like paint this huge picture of where we're going in each direction, but, but it, I love this time of year because it's a time to ask that question. Of like, where am I going in 2024? What's my purpose? What's the Lord set before me in all these different things? And so we think in categories like, man, what am I doing in my job this year? What am I doing in my family? What about my own personal health? And so in all those things, these are good and right things to think through as we think through, man, which direction should we go? What is my purpose? And so we're looking at the year ahead and we begin to try to find our way. I don't know if y'all road tripped over the holidays. I went up to North Carolina to see family. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, the holidays just aren't restful. Uh, they're refreshing. Somebody said that earlier today. That's a good word. It was refreshing, but it was not restful. But I'm really thankful uh, because I've gone to North Carolina back and forth a bunch now. So I just know where to go. Knowing the way is really important. And so we need to know where we're going. And so as we navigate the daily, weekly, monthly dynamics that lay before us with our family and our friends and our job, do we feel like we're starting 2024 going the right direction? Do we feel like we know what your purpose in 2024 is? Do you feel like you're pursuing or going to pursue the right things in 2024? Because today we're going to see, and I'm just going to go ahead and like let the cat out of the bag. Here's the you know, big thing that I want you to know is that God has prepared a way. He's prepared a way for us to know what we are to be about. It's a really sweet thing that out the gate, I don't want you to be surprised that God has prepared a way for us to know him. In this turbulent world where there's good news and there's all these different things going on, our main idea for today, what we see out of Luke 3, is this idea that God prepares the way for his people. 
we see that God prepares the way for his people. And so I just want to take a moment before we open up God's word and read it together, man, just to pray. God, I thank you. God, I thank you for time just to open up your word. God, I pray that you would guide and direct our time, that, Lord, you would speak through me just as John, as we're going to look at, was a messenger of the good news. Let me be a messenger of the good news. And, God, I pray that you are glorified and that I would speak clearly for your glory, Lord. See your name, then we pray. Amen. Amen. And so we're going to jump in Luke chapter 3, the third gospel, third book of the New Testament. We're going to start just in verse 1, okay? So, Verse 1 says, In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Ituria and Trachonitis, and Licinius, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas. And so we're going to pause right there, and we're going to get through uh, our whole chapter here in a, throughout our time. But what we're going to see is, Right out the gate, what Luke is doing is what he said he would do in Luke chapter 1 is he was writing so that we may have certainty about the things written, about the things recorded. And so he's giving us a really specific point in time. He's given us seven leaders uh, all the way from the top of the Roman Empire all the way down to the leaders of the Jewish people. And so we see that with Annas and Caiaphas and we see that he's setting things up for us to know with certainty what is going on, that these things are happening. But it's important to note, as we jump into our text, the state of things for God's people. Man, all seven of these people were oppressing God's people. Even Annas and Caiaphas, they were taking bribes and things from the Roman Empire so that they were making life hard for the Jewish people. God has not spoken in over 400 years. We do know that like angels have come onto the scene. We saw it with Zechariah and um, with Mary and Joseph, but God hasn't yet spoken through his prophet. He hasn't spoken in over 400 years. There's a longing happening in Israel, as Pastor Eric talked about with Simeon and Anna. Anna. And so this is when we're going to start in verse 2 now, and this is what's so sweet. It's easy to read over, but it says, During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And that may not sound like a huge deal, but this is a huge deal. And so John, just a quick, make sure we're all on the same page. This is John the Baptist, uh, son of Zechariah and Elizabeth. All right, Zechariah is the guy that goes into the Holy of Holies and he sees an angel and hears his prayer has been answered. Uh, he doesn't believe him, and so he zips his mouth shut um, for nine months until John's born. And so in that, they raise John in this faithful way as God has instructed, knowing that he is going to prepare the way for the Messiah. This is John, um, and this is... We refer to him as John the Baptist because as we'll see in just a moment, uh, in verse 3, it tells us he's baptizing people. And so John the Baptist. But what is really important about verse 2 is that we see the grace of God appear. Israel maybe wanted deliverance. Man, they wanted, man, to be free from oppression, but they weren't doing anything that deserved for God to come and move like he did. What we see is we're going to see that John's preaching this message of forgiveness because they were going the wrong way. They weren't doing anything to deserve God to speak, but God being gracious speaks. 
I mean, that's the gospel in a nutshell, is God giving us something we don't deserve. And so this is going to lead us to the first way that we see God prepare a way for his people, and that God, number one, God gives grace to his people. Because what I find really fascinating is it's been 460 years since God has spoken. But let us not think God was not moving, that God was not pursuing. No, he was pursuing them even though Israel wasn't pursuing him. We can see this because, like I said, John is going to proclaim a message of forgiveness and repentance. He's saying in verse 2, the word of the Lord comes to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And then in verse 3, he says, and he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness, for the forgiveness of sins. What John is calling them to is to turn away from where they were going. And the only reason that John is able to do this is because of the grace of God. God is coming to his people, and he's being put on display and offering these things. But what I love that we get to know is that grace isn't just something that we see in Luke chapter 3, but it's still something we get to experience and is offered to us today, time and time again. Even when we're not looking for God, he is pursuing us and preparing a way for us to know him maybe for the first time or more deeply. In our mess, he is not saying, get over here and get cleaned up, and then I'll come and pursue you. No, he's already pursuing us, even though we don't deserve it. As we look at the landscape of 2024, and what is my purpose? I'm wondering, where am I going? God is saying, I am preparing you a way. I have got a way for you to know me and fulfill your ultimate purpose. I love that we get to celebrate grace. We get to celebrate the birth of Jesus at Christmas. I love the Advent season because it's this coming, but there's this moment where like grace is personified. That we don't just celebrate this moment, but it's a continual story. And we get to see that Jesus came down from heaven to rescue and redeem, even though we weren't pursuing him. And we see this even more that God is preparing a way for his people as we begin to look at verse 4 through 6, it says, As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level ways. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. And so what Luke is quoting here is Isaiah 40 um, verses 3 through 5. And so what's happening is that voice crying out in the wilderness that Isaiah prophesied about uh, is John the Baptist. This is who he's talking about in this moment. He is preparing a way for the Lord and he's making sure all things are going to be ready for Jesus's arrival. Because when Jesus comes onto the scene, I love how verse 6 says it, that all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Yeah, what grace that God has prepared a way for us to see salvation, to experience salvation. He's preparing a way for us to know our true purpose. He's helping us know that we are to know him and be with him. He is preparing a way for us. And so one of the ways that we get to know that God prepares a way for his people is by offering and giving us grace. And so as you start 2024, I just ask, have you experienced God's grace? 
that tells you that you are loved, not because of anything you did in 2023, but because of who you are? Have you experienced that grace and know that even though we don't deserve it, we have a place and a purpose in God's kingdom? That God has a purpose for our lives. It's going to outweigh anything this world has to offer. And if you experience God's grace, then there is going to be a response. Our lives are actually going to be marked by that grace. And so we're going to begin to look at one of the ways that our lives are marked by that grace. And so let's look at verses 7 through 9. It says, He said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Man, there's a lot here. One, this is not a church growth strategy, calling people broods of vipers, all right? But the crowd's already there. John's just speaking the truth, and I'm grateful for it. But he's calling them a brood of vipers, and what he's doing in this moment is he's taking them all the way back to the beginning in Genesis chapter 3, where we see the serpent deceive Adam and Eve. And he's saying, you should do things your way. You should follow your rule and reign, not God's way. He's saying, you should go this way. And this is why he's calling them a brood of vipers. It's not just this fancy car from the early 2000s. What we see is he is calling them to remember that no, there is a different way being presented that is not the way of God. And so he's offering them repentance to those who come to him. He's offering forgiveness because they're going the wrong way. And we need this reminder this morning because God's wrath is real. Verse 9 tells us that the axe is laid at the, at the foot of the tree. That if we're not bearing good fruit, if we're not doing good works, and it's not salvation by works, and we're going to talk about that. But God is a loving God, but he's also a just God. And as a brood of vipers, our sin deserves punishment. And so God is going to give us and he's going to continue to prepare a way for us. And one of those ways is repentance. So I love it. Our second point for today is that one of the ways that God prepares a way for his people is that God offers repentance to his people. And so we're going to define repentance because it's a change of mind or heart that leads to a change of behavior. Man, I love how Pastor Eric says it really simply. It's turning away from sin and self and turning towards God. Man, repentance is a change of direction. You realize you're going the wrong way, and so you change your course. There's action associated with it. When you change your mind and your heart, your behavior changes, leading you in a new direction. Because we have to be really clear here that repentance is not just confession, but a commitment to lean on the grace of God to genuinely change. Confession says, I'm sorry, which is a really good thing. Scripture tells us that we should confess our sins to one another. We need to do this. But there's another part of this because repentance not only says I'm sorry, but then it shows you I am sorry. I mean, I feel like 
I have two wonderful boys, uh, and every now and then, uh, you know, we, they get into a little tussle and they need to apologize because somebody hit somebody, something like that. That's how kids work sometimes. And so they can very easily have that like moment of, hey, do you know what you did wrong? Yeah, what are you going to say you're sorry? I'm sorry. Like they confess that they hit, you know, trying to raise good little boys. But in that moment, they can confess it. But if five minutes later, somebody comes in with another haymaker, all right, there's no repentance happening in that moment. And I'm not saying that happens in my house, but uh, all right. But in that moment, like there's no real repentance. They haven't changed direction. I personally, uh, man, I struggle at times with anger. I can at times yell towards my kids. And in that moment, I can confess and say that I am sorry to them. But if the next time things go awry, and that once a week where they show me that they're not perfect, do I yell again? And then I just go back and say I'm sorry again? Or is that next opportunity a chance for me to show my repentance and instead of yelling, come at them with kindness and gentleness, seeking to be like the Lord? Because what we realize is that repentance is going to be motivated by the grace of God. God is going to call us to love and do what is right, not to earn any favor. This is the beauty of the gospel is it doesn't gain me any favor. I, always, I am already accepted by God, but he wants me to be like him because he knows what is good for me. He has said, I have got a better way for you to live. He says, I've prepared a way for you to walk. I've outlined it. I've told you what it looks like to walk as I walk, to grow into the maturity of Christ. I mean, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And we have to just realize in that moment, the man, if we're, if we're just confessing and we're not repenting and changing direction, then we've missed something key to the Christian life. Because in this moment, we have to realize that we are a brood of vipers. This isn't just John talking to the crowd that was there. We have become the seed of the serpent out of Genesis 3. And in that, we have to realize that we are not perfect. We cannot save ourselves. Romans 3.23 tells us, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are all broods of vipers. Happy New Year. <laughs> but in this, though, I love how uh, in the Gospel of Luke and in our passage today, we begin to see that even John the Baptist is addressing, he's saying you can't place your trust in your lineage back to Abraham. We can't place our hope in that we're raising um, in a, from a Christian family or who I am or what my status is. Even baptism isn't going to save them. It's a symbol for what uh, of being washed clean but there is only one who can truly wash us clean. There is only one who can cleanse us from our sin, who can change us, and that is Jesus. We cannot save ourselves, and it is by the grace of God. I love how Romans 3 continues. We'll pick it up at the end of verse 22 where it says, For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Y'all, it is grace and by grace alone that we are saved. We are saved by grace through faith. Praise the Lord. And what happens is when we experience that grace, our lives are then going to be marked by that grace because we are going to then be repenting. Repentance is not this big, bad, ugly thing. It is a gift from the Lord. It is a key piece of the Christian life. And we see in 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is beauty in confession. But there's, I believe, even greater beauty when we see that confession and bring it into the light. And it causes us to then repent and change direction. There's this beauty because there's freedom in it. There's freedom in repentance. We're no longer enslaved by the sin that has uh, entrapped us, but we are free in it. God's grace, what Jesus has done is he offers us this freedom as we place our faith in Jesus. There's beauty in that we don't, if we don't, re- sorry, there's not beauty in this. Uh, that's the next line. Uh, but in this, we have to realize the reality of verse 9. Where there's no repentance, we are told that the axe is laid at the fruit of the tree, at the foot of the tree. And if you don't bear that good fruit, if repentance isn't a mark of your life, then the wrath of God is real. And so we, I love how John tells us in verse 8, bear fruits in keeping with repentance. It's not by which you're saved, But if our lives have been marked by grace, if we've been affected by that grace, then our lives are going to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And when we begin to think about what does it look like to bear fruit, I like to kind of go on the opposite. What does it not mean? And it does not mean that we just do enough good things that we are accepted. Don't hear me that you're just supposed to go out and be this really good person and that you can do this. I'm here to tell you that you can't. We can't earn our acceptance. But it also means we don't get to go and just do whatever we want to do. Because then we're cheapening that extravagant grace that God has shown us. And so let us not cheapen it, but man, let it affect us. And what it does mean is repentance is a turn towards God. And when we turn away from the way of the serpent and towards the Lord, we are naturally going to bear fruit. Because we're doing the things of God. Man, I, I, um, man, I love deep sea fishing, okay? You may know that's about me, you may not. I used to fish all the time in North Carolina with my father-in-law. And so I fished so much that he didn't just let me stand on the boat, he put me to work, okay? Which I appreciated. And I don't know if you've ever driven a boat, but it's not super easy. It's not super easy, but he did let me become the wheel man, and I was pumped, and I got a spot on the team. We are ready to go. But my father-in-law, he's got like really excellent eyesight. I feel like he can see something like 30 miles off in the ocean. And I can maybe see like past the end of the boat. And he's like, hey, we're going over to that spot over there. And I'm like, well, nothing's over there. Um, but he's like, well, I was like, how do we get there? Well, he's like, well, we get this compass and we just head this direction. And I don't know if you've ever driven a boat in the ocean, but it's got waves. 
all right? It's not like this flat thing that you just go straight. It like knocks you around and you got to do these different things. And what I was realizing is that it was okay if I got off course just a little bit, all right? But when we got there, we were like way off course. And so what he kept telling me is he would sit in the front of the boat, and I don't know how he knew. He wasn't looking at the compass, but he would tell like, he'd say like, change direction, change direction. Like you got to get back on course. And in that moment, I learned that if I kept my eyes on the compass, uh, and looked at you know what we were doing that I could like generally keep us on course but I had to continue to change my direction because the world the waves were knocking us off course and that's what the Christian life is is it's just full of repentance like I said repentance is not this bad thing the most joyous people that I know are people who regularly repent because they're no longer enslaved by the sin that they were being affected by Man, they have turned and now are walking towards the Lord. Their eyes are fixed on him. There is no condemnation for those in Christ. And so they rejoice in knowing, hey, I may be messed up, but God is faithful and just to forgive me. And I can keep my eyes fixed on the Lord. I love how uh, we get to see John in this. If you look at verses 10 through 14, you see the crowd asking him over and over, what then shall we do? What does it mean to bear fruit in keeping with repentance? And so he gives three examples. He says, if you have two tunics, you go give one to somebody who doesn't have anything. If you're a tax collector, actually, let's do some honest work. Let's not um, lie, cheat, and steal. And then the, for the soldier, he says, have upright conduct in all that you do. He's not saying go and change everything, even your profession. What he's saying is don't do things like the serpent desires for you to do. No, you need to change course and now follow the Lord. This is what the Lord is calling you into. Because when we see these things, we see them turning from the way of the serpent and we see them turning towards the ways of God. And this is what I, I, I got an email from John Tyson. It wasn't a personal email. It was a mass email, okay? Uh, but I loved how he set things up. Uh, and he talked about, it was, man, God's timing, uh, where he just talked about how, man, this desire, man, to turn and walk with the Lord, to walk faithfully with him. And so in the, in the thought of repentance, what he began to talk about, he was like, man, when you begin to struggle with greed, like this is mine, he goes, you're walking this way. He goes, you just turn and you go and be generous. He goes, you be generous with your money, your time, your talent, your treasure. He goes, when you're struggling with anger and you're going over here, that rage monster, he goes, the next person that you encounter, you change direction and you go and be kind. Man, when you're, when you're struggling with loneliness and you're going this way, what you can do is you can go and you just go encourage somebody. And so in all these things, what we begin to see is there is a gift in being able to change our direction. Man, I love that we begin to be able to move and turn towards the ways of God. That's what God has been doing. Uh, Colossians 3 talks about this over and over of putting off the old self and putting on the new self. And all this is possible, it's not because anything we can do in and of ourselves. I have to go back to the grace of God. Because repentance is going to start at the heart level. It, and there's only one way we can change our heart. And that's through Jesus. It's the ultimate way that God has prepared a way for his people. And that's our third point for today is that God offers us Jesus. 
Man, it's a beautiful thing that we get to see Jesus come onto the scene. But before we see him come onto the scene, we have to look and see what's happening in verse 15. It says, as the people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ. So they're, they're trying to figure out, is John the Christ? Is he the one who is going to save us? And what we see is John is like, no, no. All right, let's look at, look at verse 16 with me. John answered them all saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is, at, is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Y'all, what we see in this moment in the life of John the Baptist was that John knew his place and purpose in God's redemptive story. He was content with what God had called him to do. He had grown up knowing and trusting in the Lord, and so he was able to have contentment. It wasn't like he just realized one day, like, oh, I should probably do this, and he went and just did it. No, there is beauty in knowing day in and day out that God has a purpose for our lives and he has us exactly where he wants us and that that is going to breed contentment and peace it does not mean that we stay where we are God is calling us to be holy he's calling us to be like him but there's contentment and peace that we see in John's story because he knew who he was and he knew who was coming John, as awesome as he is, he knew that he was simply a herald. He was a messenger of the good news. He knew that Jesus is the one who is mightier than John. He is the one who is worthy of all praise. Jesus is the one who is the beloved son whom God is pleased with. Jesus is the way to God. God has been preparing all of this to lead us to realize that Jesus is the way. I mean, I love, we talked about this briefly, but uh, as you look at that passage quoted out of Isaiah 40, verses 3 and 5, there's this preparation happening for the king. There's preparation going on. And so that this is what they do when a king comes to town. He doesn't just show up, but they go and they smooth out the roads. They make them straight. They raise up the valleys and they knock down mountains. And all this is ready. They paint the houses, put fresh flowers in the flower beds. Like it's ready to go. Like the king is coming. And so God's been preparing a way. It's like when the Super Bowl came to Tampa Bay. It wasn't like it was another Sunday regular NFL game. What was happening was, though, like streets had to be closed off. Things had to be ordered. Preparations had to be made, like banners, ambassadors. All this stuff was happening because something massive was going down. And what we know is in Galatians 4.4, this is, I mean, I love how God shows us that when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. And we're about, man, we're about to read when Jesus comes onto the scene. But there's like beauty in realizing that though God was maybe silent for 460 years, he was by no means inactive. He was using Alexander the Great to unify the language all across the world. He was using the Romans to create peace and roads so that things could be easily traveled and things could go forth easily. Was God silent for 400 years? Yes. Was God inactive? No. And let us not confuse the two. 
that sometimes God may be silent in your spot where you are, but he is not inactive. He is consistently making a way for you to come to him. He is bringing you here today on the first Sunday to interact with him, to meet him here today. He wants you to know that there is a purpose for you in 2024. There is a purpose for your life, and that is to be with him. He wants you to know that he loves you. He offers himself up as a sacrifice for you. We get to see it, remember, in the end of that Isaiah passage that salvation is going to be seen by all. And if you were to jump down to the end of Luke chapter 3, kind of starting in verse 23, we're not going to read this whole genealogy. It's great. A lot of good baby names, okay? There's good stuff in there. But what we do see is that there's 77 generations. I counted them. It's wild how God has prepared things for the moment in time when Jesus comes onto the scene. And I love what we see is that we are reminded once again that Jesus is the son of God. How the chapter ends in verse 38, it says the son of Enos, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. The genealogy doesn't stop with Abraham. No, God is showing us that this is for all people. What God has been preparing is not just for a certain group of people, but it is for all people. And that's why it says the supposed son of Joseph because it was a virgin birth. We, we saw that at Christmas. But no, he was the son of God. And what we get to see now in verses 21 and 22 is that Jesus comes on to the scene. Look with it at me. Look with it. Now when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. You know, we get to see the ministry of Jesus beginning. Man, it is a sweet thing. If you were to read verse 23, it says, when he began his ministry, he was about 30 years of age. It's about to just take off. And we're going to have so much fun looking at the gospel of Luke. But what we see is that Jesus here was baptized, not because he needed to repent, not because he needed to be cleansed, but because he's identifying with the people, the sinful people that he came to save. And so in this, as we see Jesus' start to the ministry, what I find just really beautiful is that God is declaring, you are my beloved son. God is delighting in his son. He's saying he is well pleased. Man, God's delight's beautiful because Jesus, now full of the Holy Spirit, is going to delight in the Father, and they're going to delight in one another. And what we're going to see happen is Jesus is going to go forth and continue this as living the life that we were supposed to live because God has prepared a way. He showed his people a way to live, but they were unable to do it. But Jesus is gonna go live the perfect life, the life that we were supposed to live. And in doing that, he is then gonna go die the death that we deserve on a criminal's cross. And we're gonna see God's grace and his mercy and his love on full display. And this is, I find this, man, one of the sweetest things is now because of Jesus, if we place our faith and our trust in Jesus, we get to hear from God, this is my child in whom I am well pleased. Oh, 
That is good. That is something we can hear every single day of 2024 as we place our faith in Christ. And this isn't because of anything I've done or that you've done. Don't, don't hear that. But we get to hear that God is pleased with us because of what his son Jesus has done. God has prepared a way for us to be able to come to him, and that way is through Jesus. And so we can place our faith in him, and then this beautiful things happen as we are grafted into the family of God. It's the grace of God. We don't deserve it, but God welcomes us in because of what Jesus has done. You know, this is a beautiful thing that we get to see. And so as we start 2024, my prayer is that every single one of our paths leads us to Jesus. I pray that for each and every person in this room. I don't know where you're at today. You may be here this morning and not know Jesus. And I would say just confidently that God has prepared a way for you to be here this morning to hear this message, not because of anything I'm saying, but because the Lord is pursuing you. He loves you and has created a way for you to know him, to know your purpose in life. I would love to talk more about this with you. That person that uh, invited you, they have been working to prepare a way for you to be here this morning. Because God is offering this free gift of salvation that you simply have to receive. But maybe you, your life has already been affected by grace. That you are walking with the Lord. But maybe, and I feel like this is probably true for all of us, that we need a reorientation continually. We need to enjoy and lean into repentance as we look at 2024. We need to turn our direction and get our eyes fixed upon the Lord and walk with him. Not because we're trying to earn anything, but because he's called us to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. He's, just as I was in that boat and you're running down in the middle of the ocean and the waves are knocking you to the side, there's nothing wrong my father-in-law kept reminding me just being able to reorient and get back on track that's the beauty of it because we're broken we are a brood of vipers that God has changed by the grace of God and we get to realize that repentance is a gift because he knows we're going to mess up and he says man you're going to get knocked this way just change course and look and keep your eyes fixed on me and so we just need to continually do that. And so I challenge you, as you look at your weeks and your months ahead, man, what are you going to do to make 2024 about Jesus? Because it's going to take some preparation, just as the king, that people had to prepare for the king, just as, you know, we had to continually make preparations God was doing. We have to prepare our own lives to be able to interact with the king of kings. Man, we have to set aside time to read his word in an unhurried way. We've got to set aside time for prayer and for fasting and these different things, not because we're trying to earn favor with God because he has said this is a good thing for you. Let us be intentional about being about the things of Jesus and when God graciously shows us our need for repentance, we turn our direction. Because I love that repentance isn't just something that we uh, get to do once, but it's a day after day after day. And we get to change our course and be about Jesus. Because that's the beauty of the Christian life, is we're always going to need to repent until Jesus comes back. It's a joyful, 
joyous thing that we get to do. And it's always available. There's nothing that the Lord is going to not allow us to repent from, to turn from. He's always got his arms open wide and says, come to me. And so we can do that here today. We can do it day in and day out because God has prepared a way for us to come to him. And his name is Jesus. And so let us fix our eyes in 2024 on Jesus and find our true way and our true purpose. Let's pray together. God, I thank you. God, I thank you for your grace and your mercy. God, I thank you that you have prepared a way for us through your son, Jesus, that we are able to know you and walk with you, that we're able to bear fruit. God, I pray that we would. God, I pray that we would see repentance as a gift and that we would have joy in it and that it would be a sweet time together where we were able to enjoy growing in your likeness, growing in who you are. Lord, it's in your holy and precious name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.